Welcome to Software at on Design Talk. Today we are excited to have Chris Foster and Gilbert Axel talking about the real work experience about agile and design in software development. Thanks for listening. Okay, hi everyone, welcome. Uh, my name is David. Uh, I'd like to welcome Chris and Gil uh, to the podcast. And uh, look, really thank you guys for giving this opportunity to allow us to ask questions about your experience and just how we can we can learn from your experience and different questions that we have from readings and the experience we have in the lecture. So thanks for giving up your time. It's really appreciated. Um, Chris, if you wouldn't mind just doing a brief introduction, uh, you know, whatever you feel is appropriate. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Chris. I've been a software engineer at a company called Salesforce in Dublin for about five years now. I did my undergraduate in UCD in computer science, and now I'm doing my master's in UCD as well. So really enjoying it so far. Um, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate that. Uh, over to you, Gil, if you could do a brief introduction, please. Okay. So yeah, I came from Brazil to Ireland uh, after graduation. I used to work there before, so I came in 2012 and I've been working as a developer for the past, I don't know, like 11, 12 years. Uh, I'm more backend developer, and, but now I'm transitioning to UI a bit, uh, kind of full, full stack. I'm currently working on IBM for the past six years. So, yeah. Great. Thanks, Gil. Thanks, Chris. Um, look, we have a couple of questions we're going to run through as a group. Uh, so, Colin, over to you for the first question. Well, hi, Gil. Hi, hi Chris. Uh, thank you again for attending this. Um, so, in the first half of this, we had a bit of a chat of Waterfall versus Agile, which is a bit of fun. But uh, for you guys, when you're working, um, if you're doing sprints, for you, what is the magic duration of a sprint for you? What's the, like, how many weeks? Uh, so for us, personally, I've always used two weeks, and I think it's worked well. Um, one thing I've found is that gives us enough time to produce something that's actually demoable. Uh, us as a team, we really like having a quick feedback loop with our stakeholders. So having a demo at the end of every two-week sprint is something we really enjoy. Okay, yeah, like I, I work at, with a team with uh, two weeks and one week as well. One week was pretty tough, but was kind of a nice way to do. But yeah, was too too fast, you know. So I believe that two weeks is perfect. More than that is too long and less is too rush. Okay. Can't imagine one week that we're in a fast turnaround. Um, so for the next question, it's kind of like a similar theme. Would you guys do uh, a daily stand-up every morning? You know, the you know, it's like a fifteen-minute thing, or is that not done? Or you do it every second day or something? So before the pandemic, we used to have kind of an in-person stand-up in Dublin with the team, everyone together. Um, we're more of a global team now, which makes it a little bit more difficult. Right now, we have a synchronous stand-up on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, we do kind of an asynchronous stand-up um, using a messaging tool with some, some tool in there. So Wait, we can kind on, of provide our updates asynchronously. What, 
what does that mean asynchronous days that's via chat or yeah so we can all um when it's coming towards the end of our own days we can mm-hmm. put in our updates and then they're all posted together um oh, yeah, so. oh cool thanks yeah like i used to have uh but our daily was running too much on time so 45 minutes 50 minutes so yeah but we still doing every day apart from friday we we're not doing on friday because uh we have a lot of meetings so the team asked to say to like stop scrum um fridays you know like so we can like patch up the work a bit so also um on friday we we post on slack channel so that works um thanks guys uh there's a, there's a there's a question here, and I, I reading it before I was going to say it, and it seems loaded. Uh, but in a project that you guys are working on, like what's the main human element that that impacts the success of the project? And just to unload the question, I'd say like positive and negative. If there, if there was a negative, you know, that comes to mind, go for that. If it's positive, yeah. So here are we. Are we talking about human element as in like members of the team or things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something I thought about before was just having um, good communication within the team. I think it's yeah. very important that everyone kind of knows what's going on. We have yeah. found it difficult as a global team sharing context with everyone. So if somebody is working on a specific story and somebody else's story depends on that, it yeah. can be difficult if they're located across the in different time zones to kind of share context between each other so i think communication is very important yeah uh yeah so human element is something that is uh, can it's impact everyone so for example the moods of your peers change completely the way that uh how the product will success, you know, for example, let's say uh, I worked before in teams that the mood was, uh, we create PR, the person would just prove and whatever. Yeah. And we could, we see that there was a lot of issues with that. Yeah. But uh, then we kind of changed the attitude and became completely different. So I think even these kind of things change you know yeah yeah no it's interesting like communication and kind of the mood of the team yeah it's 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 probably the real human uh aspect that can influence the overall success uh thanks guys over to you chen yeah thanks uh because you know uh, we're living in a fast-paced life if you feel stressed or bored what do you usually do uh at work day after day yeah, so for me, uh, one thing I've found very important since the pandemic is being able to shut off in the evening. So once 6 p.m. comes, making sure that if you have a work phone and you're not on call, you can turn it off. You can make sure you're definitely cut off from work whenever it's not working hours. Um, I also enjoy running. So getting outside and um, some fresh air is, is also good. Um, for me, it was having a baby. 
so you will never be bored or stressed to work anymore you know like <laughs> but uh yeah like joke aside and i was a bit bored with uh backhand you know so i moved to ui and it's kind of nice you know like it's completely different and i never worked with javascript before so it's another i cannot be bored anymore for sure okay awesome that's brilliant i guess the next one would be um what is design for you be it like good design or bad design like what is design to you so before um being a software engineer i i guess i kind of perceived design mostly about the way something looked but since becoming an engineer you kind of realize that there's much more to it than that it's like the full experience um, of somebody using a product. I know there was one of our readings where they discussed the design of computer used in schools, a laptop. And because the designers knew it would be used by children, they had like corner bumpers and um, spill surviving keyboards. So they weren't just thinking about the design of let's make this laptop look good. They were thinking about the overall experience and even the people that would be using that. So they considered everything. Okay, I, I would go a bit broad. I think the design, it's not only the look or the usability. I think it's also a, the essence of software engineering, you know, like you need to have design for everything. And if we think about before, like for me, UML is the design per se, in some essence. And yeah, like even when you're designing how you're going to develop something, some code you're designing out in your mind. What's the step? So, yeah. And about good and bad, we can see and codes and, and, and everywhere. Like when the person took the, the time enough to do a good design, it's, you're going to see. Interesting, yeah. Even like from starting this module, I've started looking at things design-wise differently. So it's 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 kind of it's cool. It's everywhere. It's great. Indeed. You kind of touched on this in the answer, uh, guys. Both of you, but I go to Gil first. Um, do you think you need to be creative to work in in software? And you know, on that, like, do, is it practicality or is creativity more important in your opinion, Gil? I think both, you know, like in Brazil, we have um, a saying of gambiarra is a way to do something. It's not a perfect way, but it's a way to make it work. Okay. And it's together with the creativity. You know, I think you must have creativity. For example, I had some issues that in the past that, for example, I could not use any and middleware to solve some problem. So yeah, like I had a, a problem with, we need to bump some data in the database, but could break because pods break. So it was like two, three giga files we were running. So I could not use any middleware to, to make that 100% safe, you know, like it's going to break the part, but yeah. the, the queue is there. So, 
yeah, I think I need to to solve in in a different way, you know. And I think we 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 face challenges ever every time, you know. Like it's mm. it's not like when you are in a startup environment or something that you have all the tools that you need yeah. for to work. So sometimes yeah. you just need to improvise. Okay, Chris, uh, over to you. Uh, do you think you need to be creative um, to work in software? Yeah, I think uh, Gil touched on it there. Um, but I think some of the nicest solutions I've seen to problems have been when people were thinking outside the box, yeah. like something that isn't uh, initially obvious. And I think it takes some sort of creativity to be able to notice things, notice solutions that aren't obvious at first. Yeah. And uh, software engineering, I guess it's it's both an art and a science. And it's kind of weird to say, but you do feel kind of um, excited when you see some beautiful code, like maybe someone has used a data structure in a nice way or done something interesting. Um, so I think that aspect as well shows creativity. Yeah. Great. Uh, really, really interesting. Thanks, guys. Uh, over to you, Summer, the next question. Hey guys, we've been talking about communication between people, right? So I really wondered how the remote work style changed the agile method, which after all emphasizes communication between people as much as possible. Okay, uh, so I think changed completely and didn't change, you know, because I think we, we adapt and I, in my experience, Agile is about adapting uh, the best way that you you do with the group that you have. But also, for example, the communication. I think the communication nowadays got really complicated because before you could go just to the table of the guy and ask the person and ask, for example, something and five minutes later you have the question now is like people yeah like in the pandemic stuff i'm a parent there's a lot of parents of like sometimes they are just minding the chair chair them for five minutes ten minutes so it, that also i delayed the conversation the communication also different time zones as well because i saw a lot of companies are uh, hiring people outside their zones for like saving money, this kind of things, or even your colleagues going back to their own tree and having impacts on the time zones. So yeah, I think also a lot of meetings, like I think like five minutes mail became one hour meeting. Yeah, thank you. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I think the, the term was floating around before uh, Zoom fatigue, but having these kind of video conference meetings for a couple of hours a day definitely uh, gets tiring and it's kind of uh, difficult. We're actually trying something interesting out in a couple of weeks. Um, our team is going to have an entire week where we have no meetings together. We're going to try to communicate uh, asynchronously over like messaging and and things like that. And we're going to try to not have any video calls for a full week. So it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how that goes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. So over to you, Cecilia. 
I have a question. Uh, there are so many people want to be software engineers, but end up uh, not sticking with it. So what are the biggest uh, difficulties or some challenge you need to face to be a software engineer? Yeah, it's a, a good question. Um, I think a lot of people possibly go into software engineering as a career without fully understanding what it involves. It can be a very appealing career because a lot of people think about the good salaries and things like that. But once you get into the career, it's, it's, quite, it's something you have to be very immersed in, I feel. Most of the, the software engineers I know are very passionate about what they do. And it's almost like a lifestyle, more so than a, a job that you can shut off from in the evening. So I think it definitely helps if you have like a passion for technology and, and what you do. Yeah. Thank you. How about you, uh, Gail? I think like the biggest difficult uh, to face, I think, is entering in the in a company as a software engineer, you know, like usually even more nowadays, they ask people uh, like, yeah, junior or internship, but you should have uh, experience with some languages. So, but to, to have some experience, you need to join. So it's, it's a complicated in this way. Uh, I don't know, like, to be fair, I don't see software engineers really hard work to do you need to know how to use google and to communicate basically uh, to be fair you know like i don't know like i think people don't stick with it you know because probably they just think that it's too is easy but in the end they cannot grow up in the career and they moved somewhere else you know like i know a lot of what happened these past few years is a lot of developers are moving to data science and devops thanks very much guys we just have one final question just uh, from the group so in our readings we we went through chaos theory um and uh, iid and waterfall and waterfall in most of the readings has been deemed to be the wrong way to go um like alan actually touched earlier on that companies don't actually strongly follow one or the other that it can be a high avoid the word hybrid sorry it can be a kind of a mixture of both which is the same logic but have you ever worked in a project where waterfall actually provided the best framework to deliver the project ahead of agile is there any any experience of that uh gil do you want to go first when i worked in waterfall project uh we had no agile almost you know like <laughs> so was a bit complicated to compare, but nowadays I don't see a really yeah I don't see. We are discussing about this other day, and if you have a lot of money, the project is like secure, money secure, and you have time. Maybe waterfall can go in. I don't know. Okay, uh, Chris. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I guess, or fortunately, possibly, I haven't been around long enough um, to be involved in a waterfall project. I think nowadays okay. most companies are using using agile, but I I'm definitely an, an advocate for agile. Um, I like having a lot of uh, iterations and delivering and demos to stakeholders to get feedback. So I guess that's they're kind of things that you wouldn't get with with waterfall. Okay, 
Great, yeah. Look, that's what all the readings pointed to. It's just to get good to get some uh, real life uh, uh, or real work experience on. Um, that's all the questions from us. Um, yeah, if you want to raise your hand or or put it into the conversation, and we can we can do it that way. I'll start. Is there still politics in inside? Do you still have to fight the battles? I think politics is is definitely still around and probably always will be. Even internally between different teams, there can be a lot of overlap between different projects. And maybe one team wants to own a certain component and another team, their work also overlaps with that component. There can definitely be some some clashes there. Yeah, politics still get in the way. Uh, definitely, you know, like use of tech, it sometimes comes from up, up instead of the architect. I think these kind of stuff is chew in and will be integrations and everything is like it's about money so and who's gonna sell it politics and money uh anil do you have a question uh, just extending to that one probably you covered a bit in terms of politics and money but on the outcome of the result how is that decided is it always politics and money or does the power authority client or any other prioritization takes comes into place i think it's still politics you know like if you have a product if you have a big client and that client is pushing some changes you're gonna need to make that changes in the end probably just to extend probably up the managerial level mid management or high management if they they, they are pulled by different clients or different bosses maybe in their verticals how do they play out? I, I understand your role as a developer, you do what you are asked to do, but how do the managers uh, decide as in which way to go? Uh, depends on the organization. The managers are pals just like me, you know, and they, they maybe have a region control of me, but if, uh, let's say we need to get these these clients happy because we are trying to sell something else to this client and it's understandable you know like they need to keep the client happy and yeah so i think in the end it's hard to to do the shielding you can do the shielding on iteration saying like now we we won't deliver these in the in this iteration or next iteration but in the end I think it's a big battle to win and I don't see this. One nice thing, I guess, about being an engineer, um, for me anyway, managers and product managers tend to shield the team a lot from this kind of politics. So we don't mm. really, we try to keep out of it and we just focus on doing the, doing the engineering and let the, the managers protect us. Uh, Safali, you have a question? Yeah, I have a question from Gil. Uh, so like, in the technical role, what uh, are the like organizational structure uh, for the software engineer, like software engineer, then technical architect, and then? Uh, depends on the project, you know, like, for example, I work in projects that the technical architect was a really technical architect. I work in other projects that the technical architect was more like a PO or a scrum master. Yeah, it depends on, I think. How much your involvement in the design process or you got you get design 
from the technical architect or the software architect or designer there is a different post or the software developer itself do the uh, do designing thing so yeah like in the previous project that there was was pretty pretty nice because uh we we are we had a designer a really good one he was brilliant so we would get involved with him a lot so and he was uh, contact directly with the, the vp so mm -hmm. that made us direct contact with the vp as well so yeah like but usually uh we're gonna design more like the architecture of the technical side and what change what used to for example database or any middleware okay uh, i think we'll we'll wrap up um look i'd really like to uh, uh, thank you both for your time today and speaking to the class and taking all of our questions um, and sharing all your knowledge and experiences so thanks thanks very much thank you